Hey Jesse, how's it going? Good, Katie. I'm um I'm a little bit scared though. Oh, what what's up? Have you ever heard of a space-time vortex? No, this sounds like one of your nerd things. <laughs> it's a sword from Elden Ring. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, we so I we hired someone to put some of our oldest episodes on YouTube just to see if we should establish a beachhead there. I heard one beachhead. Beachhead is that a word that people use? Sounds like my Friday night. Beachhead. <laughs> wow, that's how I cut that. I cut I'm that. not getting that's that. Stupid. I'm not getting that. A beachhead is you don't know what a beachhead no, is. No, this is, this is not a real being word. A girl. This is <laughs> a beachhead. Katie, you've n- clearly never invaded a foreign country. <laughs> What's a beachhead? You establish a beachhead. It's a place where you you. It's hard to invade on a beach because they have the high ground. I think I don't know. You you establish like fortifications on the beach, uh, and behind those fortifications, everyone can go down on one another. That's why it's a beachhead. <laughs> I assume you learned this in basic training. <laughs> yeah, I have a lot of military experience, as everyone knows. Uh-huh. Uh, okay, so I heard offhand one stat about how YouTube is now, I think, the third biggest sort of uh, podcast listening platform. I have no idea if this is true, but I just assumed it's true because that's what I do. Hired someone to put up our first 20 episodes. They're not up yet. Here's the thing, Katie. Do you remember episode 15? Of course not. Me neither. And it doesn't seem to exist. Oh, really? This person was just lose it? going through it. our back catalog to post the stuff. There's no episode 15. And I have no memory of what it is. Googling didn't help. There's nothing in like our shared Google Drive. I, I think this episode got sucked into a space-time vortex and it's gone forever. Or, or stick with me here. We misnumbered it. We, for, we <laughs> no, skipped 15. What do you think is more likely? That really does not sound like something. I, you know, I'm the person who does yeah. the numbering. That really does Attention not sound detail, like the really. sort of mistake yeah. I would make on yeah. this podcast blocked or reported. <laughs> maybe the james webb telescope can find it for us <laughs> can you imagine if the first time they like target some star a thousand light years away it's just an episode of our podcast beaming back to them how terrifying that'll be for humanity <laughs> yeah the first communications from the aliens is going to be our, our stupid podcast i think it says something about us that this this guy we hired to do it, it he texted me to say he was having this trouble and his first thought was that we had used too many racial slurs and just pulled it down <laughs> Because that's something we obviously do a lot. All the time, all the time. Um, yes, yeah, so our show will soon be on YouTube. I'm not sure why you're doing why we're doing this. You think seem to think it's a good idea. I there's not gonna be any video. No. This is just gonna <laughs> be like a picture not. of our of our of our logo. Like the the reason that anybody would listen to this on YouTube rather than like on a podcast app or just stream from Subsec, I have no fucking idea. But anyway, we're gonna be doing it. No, no, no. You don't. Also, it's not. No, it's not a photo of our. I, I talked to you about this. What we're doing for the image, me in a rocking chair with lemonade <laughs> on one hand, in one hand, shotgun in the other hand, and we're photoshopping it so it looks like Moose is sitting in my lap. <laughs> Moose would never. That's sit our in new logo. Lap. Can someone can someone do that? Someone Photoshop me, shotgun in one hand, lemonade in the other, Moose. In in my lap in a non in a non sexual way. Look, I, I Moose has been taught since birth to stay away from groomers, Jesse. I do like I do like the idea that now whenever we're doing a segment that relies on backstory that we don't want to rehash, we can be like, if you want that story, just go to episode fifteen. We talked about it. Yeah, the lost episode. Katie, what is the name of this space time vortex podcast? This is Blockner Reported, and I'm Katie Herzog. And I'm Jesse Single, and today we're going to talk about everyone's absolute favorite political tribe, a political tribe that never has any kind of weird drama or dysfunction. Say it with me. One, two, three. 
Libertarian. Libertarian. <laughs> it's very hard to sync stuff up. It is. We are. We're going to be talking about one particular character within the Libertarian Party. I will say, Jesse, I have never actually been scared to do a podcast before. <laughs> I'm a little scared this time. Wait, you're all. You haven't been scared to talk about all the other stuff. Where you're scared to criticize this Libertarian? Yes. Okay, I'm uh, I'm pretty we'll intrigued. See why. Yeah, we I don't really know why. much about this. First, uh, we're going to do a little bit of an update slash me whining about something. How does that sound to you? Let's do it. So I, our last episode, we talked about this controversy in the Leon County schools about their transgender policy. And there'd been this cr- pretty intense rumor that the school board there had passed a policy that would effectively out uh, LGBT kids, that if they were on any overnight trip or in a gym class, any open LGBT kids, you know, could be outed. Um, I did a very long piece. It was took- more like a dating service, I think, wasn't it? <laughs> we just want you to know there's some cute gay boys <laughs> in, in your locker room. <laughs> yeah, that's a good idea. Talking about grooming. Um, it took like, a, you know, I, I have other stuff going on, but it took like two weeks just to talk to folks in the county and get the basic story of what actually happened. What actually happened, you can listen to the episode or, or read this on my uh, newsletter, jessysingle.substack.com, is... This school board, which is uh, four Democrats, zero Republicans, uh, one of them used to be Republican, changed after Trump, Uh, they assigned a committee of 14 people, 13 of them social liberals, one token conservative, to create an LGBT policy that would formalize the rights gay and trans kids have in Leon County schools. Because of Republican state law, they did have to include a way for parents to be able to opt out of having their kids... uh, bunk or change with kids of the other biological sex. They think their lawyer thinks that state law requires them to do this. This is not excluding trans kids from these spaces. The trans kids get to change or bunk where they want to bunk. It's an opt-out for parents uh, who who don't want their kids, you know, their uh, female kids changing with someone who is biologically male or bunking with them on a trip. This situation has never happened because trans kids are first given the option to change separately, like a private accommodation uh, where everyone's privacy is respected. Not surprisingly, kids in these situations don't want to like be a source of controversy or, you know, be like teenagers don't like parading their bodies around others. So in practice, this has come up zero times. Um, And it frustrated me the way a huge chunk of the progressive internet was shitting on the school district and saying they had done something bad or even fascist without looking into details. And People can read my story. There is a lot of that awful, loathsome, fascist nuance I'm so fond of. Like, I do think there's evidence the school board was doing the best they could. But watching people double down online when more information has come in and and continue to pretend that uh, this was anything but a very liberal school board, mostly influenced by trans rights activists, trying to do the best they could for those kids frustrated me. I also, um, I don't know if you noticed this, Katie, or, like, or how much you were watching the Twitter shit unfold, but... There was this incredulity on the part of a lot of like blue check types that any parent could have any qualms about self-ID in a locker room situation. And I continue to think that if the move is to just say that these parents are all bigots and that there's no potential trade-offs here, I think you're going to have a pretty bad time politically. I mean, this seems like a failure of intersectionality if they are not considering the fact that in some cultures, for instance, Islam, this would be so taboo. I mean, not just like a little bit of discomfort, but very, very taboo to have. I mean, there are like you hear stories about 
Muslim women in Europe who no longer can go to bathhouses or public or some sort of public pool or private pool because they are they are either going co-ed or they are allowing trans women in. And obviously those are edge cases. I don't know how many Muslims there are in Leon County, Florida, but this idea that you should impose your own values on other people, I mean, to me, that seems like a failure of intersectionality. It's colonialism. <laughs> yes, that's that's our take is the uh, the liberals of Leon County are engaging in colonialism. I Exactly. Well, I think that I no, I mean, I, I, I think that is a version of what's going on because like the the onus is being put on the concerned parents they get to create a separate accommodation for their kid. Their kid will have to change privately away from the other kids. It It is, this whole thing is driven by what the trans kid wants. And we can debate that policy. <laughs> we should debate that policy because like this is still a new area. And I just, there's a level of disconnect online among, you know, intellectuals writing under their own name from um, the on the ground reality that Maybe I've said this before, maybe 20 years from now, we'll find it insane that we ever separated people by biological sex. Maybe we could be totally wrong about this. Maybe we'll be we'll be backwards. I I don't think that's likely, but we should acknowledge that possibility. But in 2022, like people do still take this thing pretty seriously and they still do react pretty negatively to the idea of, you know, biologically male and female high school students changing around one another. Now, as I say this, again, this has not happened once in Leon County. They, the, it's not like trans kids are trying to use these facilities. They just needed a policy in place uh, for if it does happen, that would you know allow them to not get sued by the DeSantis administration or whatever. So I, I don't know. I've just The other thing is just there's this um, law, it's like the asymmetric law of debunking bullshit where it really does take 10 times as much time to debunk something than it does for it to spread. So I just... I would do anything for like journalists and intellectuals to stop spreading shit as soon as it pops up. Ilan Omer spread this rumor, which is crazy. So that was just a rant about that because, uh, yeah, anyway. Um, so after you published your piece, did this change anything? Well, it had already like died down a little bit because the actor and writer who who did the most viral tweet had apologized, although his his debunking reached a tiny fraction of the people. But but no, this did. I mean, there've been times I've written these long pieces and they've gotten a big response for a lot of readers. This one sort of landed with a thud and you know, I'm glad I did it so that it's out there and I I think if you're if you're you know, concerned about these policies, there's a lot of ways to report on them or to get involved even at the local level. People don't seem to want to do that. They just seem to want to tweet. Yeah. I mean, this one was also so complex that I think there's there's no real good shorthand except to say like, you're, you know, these people were wrong. <laughs> well, and, and they weren't even completely wrong. Right, the kernel of right. truth is where it ended up is there's, there's now no notification for, uh, overnight trips parents there's the blanket you know if you have any concerns about changing let us know beforehand for locker rooms there still is a form of notification but again it it only applies in rare circumstances that have not happened once so far so there's not the rumor wasn't even a hundred percent false it was just completely overstating the policy someone did send us an email about a um a school a school district elsewhere there where there what do you do does this email ring any bells to you what what was in the email? A trans girl insisted on using the women's changing room or the women's locker room at a school. Uh, this is a convenient thing for me to say right now, but I genuinely don't don't remember that. No, <laughs> I think this was in Minnesota or somewhere, but it was a case where girls had expressed some, or parents of girls had expressed some discomfort, and the the trans girl, who's a, I guess a teenager, insisted that this be. Um, 
that she be allowed to, you know, use the locker room in the school. And and we should absolutely, the preferred policy of the folks on that side of the debate is that she is a girl. She is a woman. She gets to use all the facilities she wants. We should talk about whether there's trade-offs there. We shouldn't pretend it doesn't happen or can't happen. We should also point out that A, it's rare. I do think in some of these cases, in much the same way some liberal parents use their kids as political pawns, I I know that not every one of the conservative parents who showed up at these Leon County school boards had a kid in the district. There is some element of think of the children that will not does not always match what the children actually want. And it might be useful sometimes when possible to interview the actual teenagers right. involved in these controversies. Okay, Jesse, well, uh, thanks for the non-update update. <laughs> that's, that's what it was. Uh, libertarians. Okay. So today we're going to be discussing a libertarian candidate for governor of New Hampshire. This is a woman named Carlin Borisenko. Carlin is quite the character, as you will soon see. And she is also, there's a little background that you sort of need to know to understand what's going on. She's a member of the Mises Caucus, which is a sect a sect within the Libertarian Party. We discuss the Mises Caucus and this uh, severing, I suppose you could call it, within the Libertarian Party on a primo episode from last fall. That particular story explained a lot about the current dynamics. So we're going to play a clip from that episode now. This will explain what the Mises Caucus is, this particular division within the party. Um, some of you will have heard of it, heard this before, but most of you won't. If you don't want to hear it again, skip forward like 10 minutes or so. All right, Jesse, you ready to go back in time? Hell yeah. All right, do your little sound effect. I stole that from Wayne's World. The story that we're talking about today, this involves a fight over the New Hampshire Libertarian Party. And I would assume that New Hampshire is like actually a state where libertarians probably, there's probably a lot of them in New Hampshire. Yeah, it's it? famous like, for that. Live for your yeah. die. Yeah, something like that. Vape for your, or vape for your die. Um, okay, so... The story is a little old, but uh, I, I don't think it probably got much uh, much traction in our sort of sector of the media. So this goes back to last spring. And it begins with um, some provocative tweets posted by the official New Hampshire Libertarian Party account. The account at the time was run by a guy named Jeremy Kaufman. Uh, and this comes from Reason Magazine. They describe um, Jeremy Kaufman as the, quote, CEO of a blockchain-based censorship-free content publishing system called... It's L-B-R-Y. I assume it's pronounced library. So that's like exactly what you Or liberty. Say. Or liberty. Oh, you know what? Fuck, you're right. God, I'm an idiot. You're right. It's well, is there a G? It's L-B-R-Y? It's L-B-R-Y, yeah. Which do you think is more likely? Come on. Okay, well, I thought, clearly, I thought it was library because I'm a liberal, but it's definitely going, well, but it's <laughs> Libertarians a Libertarians hate system. libraries. It, but oh, there okay. should be, if it was if it was liberty, there should be a T in it. Anyway, it's called L-B-R-Y. Um, okay, so his name's Jeremy Kaufman, and here are just a few of the things that he tweeted from the official New Hampshire Libertarian Party account. The tree of liberty must be refreshed from time to time with the blood of patriots and tyrants. It is its natural manure. That's apparently a quote by Thomas Jefferson, or at least he attributed it to Thomas Jefferson. Uh, here's another one. Gitmo must be left open so that Anthony Fauci and every governor that lock their state down can be sent there. Here's another that's, one. That's what I said. <laughs> it's a very libertarian position. Keep Gitmo open. Legalize child labor. Children will learn more on the job site than in public school. I actually agree with that, but still, <laughs> I agree with still that. official party account. I would have said uh, 
put them in trade school. But anyway, let them do an apprenticeship. Let them join a union. And here's the crown, the crown jewel. John McCain's brain tumor saved more lives than Anthony Fauci. Jesus. Okay. So again, official New Hampshire Libertarian Party Twitter account. So a lot of people, both outside and within the Libertarian Party, were pissed about these tweets. You can see why. Gary Johnson is one of those uh, one of those ones uh, who was pissed about this. And Kaufman, Jeremy Kaufman, he defended himself in an interview on a podcast called Taking Human Action. He said, I think LP National, that's Liber- Libertarian Party National, has been sort of taken over by what I would call, you know, woke neoliberal globalists. And they're not libertarians. Libertarianism is private property, bodily autonomy, voluntary association, right? These are the the sort of core atoms of the libertarian philosophy. So he's not backing down from this. But before we go on to what happened next, we need to discuss some of the divisions between the wider libertarian party, which is, I think, what you were accidentally referring to a moment ago. So there's a bunch of different factions and caucuses vying for power. But for the purposes of this conversation, we're going to talk about two of them. Kaufman is a member of the Mises Caucus. Have you ever heard of this? No. Okay, so the Mises Caucus is named after the Austrian economist Ludwig von, von Mises. Do you know what, what Austrian economics is, Jesse? Yeah, but I, I could not give you sort of a coherent explanation now. It's, it, it's just a very influential school of, of libertarian thought. So, okay, the simplest way to explain this philosophy is that Mises – basically believe that the pri- that the Austrian school basically they believe that the primary force uh behind economics macroeconomics is that people respond to incentives and this is and I I, I fact check this with them with one of my libertarian friends I said this like why is that so heterodox this is apparently very heterodox and he said that this is very hetero- heterodox because the dominant strain in government and in institutions basically all like educational institutions in the United States is Keynesian economics do you know what Keynesian economics is Keynesian economics involves like sort of uh, pouring often poor government investment and stuff to stimulate the economy. So here's how my libertarian friend, uh, his name is Paul Gamble. He was also my uh, my source on our on our crypto NFT episode. Um, because of course, he's, <laughs> he's into crypto. Okay, so here's how he explained it. Keynesians, Keynesians tend to view the world in terms of what are the biggest financial players, especially central banks, choosing to do and how will that drive economic policies. And Austrians view it in terms of what will an individual person do when faced with a set of incentives. And if you aggregate all that behavior, you get an explanation for current and future economic conditions. So these are the two, uh, this is the sort of the dividing line between these two, these two schools of thought, the Austrians, the, the uh, libertarian Austrians, and then basically everybody else, the neolibs, I guess you could say. So the Mises Caucus really embraces this, uh, this Austrian school of economics. It's basically the Ron Paul school of libertarianism. And in fact, Ron Paul was one of the founders of the Mises Institute. And these are the people you imagine when you picture the stereotype of like the libertarian dude bro. Like picture a guy in a fedora with a cloud of passion fruit vape smoke and a <laughs> t-shirt that reads, don't tread on me. Like these are the purest. And then on the other side, you have their enemies, their natural enemies, and these are the pragmatists or the prags. And the prags are like the difference between one of the differences between the two is that the prags like actually really want to win elections. And like Gary, Boring. Young, yeah. 
And so they think that that tweeting things like legalized child labor is counterproductive. So Gary Johnson in a Prague, he's, he did better than any libertarian has ever done in a national election. He got 3% of the vote in the 2016 election between Trump and Clinton. I'm assuming that a lot of that has to do with because of who he was running against. But anyway, he's a prag. And I think the best illustration of the difference between these two groups, the, these two caucuses, the Mises and the Prags, was a moment that came up during the 2016 libertarian primary debates. I'm going to play a clip of that. And so what you're about to hear are two Mises in the beginning and then Jerry Go- Gary Johnson, the prag at the end, answering the question, should people ha- be required to uh, have driver's licenses? Um, Jesse, I'm going to post this in the chat. You should listen to it. Should someone have to have a government-issued license to drive a car? Hell no. What's next? Requiring a license to make toast in your own damn toaster? (laughs) (laughs) The license to drive? You know, I'd like to see some competency exhibited by people before they drive. Okay, the, so so the co- the audio is amazing, but I would really recommend people watch the video to see what this dude looks like. That's awesome. He looks like a libertarian. Like he's got a mullet. The what's next? Requiring a license guy. He looks like at the end of like a 1988 movie, the guy Steven Seagal blows away because he like took a trip. <laughs> he oh, he's amazing. We'll just include a photo of him in the show notes. Okay. Why not? Okay, so those are the Mises. And, okay, and the Prags also tend to be woker than the Mises, and they're more into identity politics. The, the the libertarians that I know are prags, and I would not call them woke, especially because they live in Seattle, no. and they are they're like Reason Magazine fifth column prags. Like, but but not only that, but I, but I think some of the smartest uh, critics of wokeness or whatever you yeah. want to call it are are like fifth absolutely, column absolutely, absolutely. And bros. so this is a tension between this particular caucus is that some of these prags are leaning into to identity politics, like like the example that comes up most often probably was a tweet from Joe Jorgensen, who ran for president last year, like under the Libertarian Party. She was the nominee. Here's what she tweeted. It is not enough to be passively not racist. We must be actively anti-racist. Yeah. It's just, it makes you sound like everybody else. Well, it's like an, an Ibram Kendiism, which is not what libertarians yeah. are. And this caused, like, people hated this shit. Libertarians did not like this shit. Because she's- Wait, a- you didn't read you didn't read Ibram's pro- <laughs> from, from, from earlier? And, and part of it isn't just, like, what she's, she's telling people- people what to believe and libertarians don't like to be told what to believe so bad tweet on her part they do like they do like telling other people what to believe as long as what they believe is that you can't tell other people what to believe wow it's a true paradox indeed okay so uh so so that's like basically ibram kendi is the opposite of the mises libertarian position uh, position and of course like even a bunch of prags and i don't know if camille like identifies camille foster identifies as a prag he might he might not um but anyway, he would like people like that were annoyed about this shit. The Mises were also pissed that Jorgensen and probably some of the Prags too were also pissed that Jorgensen didn't focus more on opposing lockdowns because that's such a classic libertarian position that you can imagine that the that COVID would have been a great mo- a moment for them to sort of harness this energy. But instead, yeah. she they thought that she was like pandering to SJWs. Who were, we're never going to vote for libertarians anyway. Um, okay. So, <laughs> so for several years, the Mises, the Mises caucus has been on the ascent and they've been very open about the fact that they are trying to take over the party. 
they want to take it over. They want to kick the Prags out. They want to be the people you think of when you think of libertarians. And so in June, which actually I think they probably are the people that you think of when you think of libertarians. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. So in June, a woman named uh, Gilletta Jarvis, she's the chair of the Libertarian Party of New Hampshire. She sees control of the website and the Twitter account from Jeremy Kaufman. <laughs> whoa. whoa. <laughs> yes, they were trying. She was basically trying to like start a coup. And she had an ally in this. This ally was a guy named – she had multiple allies. But one of them was a guy named Joseph Bishop Hinchman. He was then the chair of the Libertarian National Committee. And so he co-sponsored a motion to separate from the existing New Hampshire Libertarian Party. So to split off and have their own like New Hampshire Libertarian Party – this was a total failure. The Libertarian National Committee rejected this uh, rejected this motion by a vote of 12 to 2. Uh-huh. So when this failed – yeah, poor guy. The, basically, the normies are trying to take over and it's not working. So when this failed, Joseph – well, the normies are trying to take over and the weirdos are trying to take over at the same time. So when this failed, Joseph Bishop Hinchman resigned from the Libertarian National Committee. This is what he wrote in his resignation letter. Quote, a toxic culture has recently been harnessed in the service of grouping with the declared goal of taking over the party and making it as repulsive as possible to everyone except themselves. I will not chair a party that knowingly and has now affirmatively chosen to stay affiliated with the toxic garbage that was being spewed by the New Hampshire party and similar bad actors in other states. The violent threats emanating from these people and the deliberate destruction of the party's ability to appeal to voters and win elections. Damn, girl. Yeah. So he didn't specify what violent threats he was talking about, um, but he also wasn't the only person to resign. Two other members of the Libertarian National Committee resigned from this, and so that was the dissolution of the Pragmatist Caucus of the Libertarian National Committee. It totally dissolved. And uh, and then there was this – this is from a recent article. We'll post a link in the show notes, and I love this quote for obvious reasons. One of the party's few elected officials, the Calb, Illinois city clerk, Sasha Cohen, resigned from the National Libertarian Party in protest, saying in an LNC Zoom meeting that we are, quote, a big tent party, but no tent is big enough to hold racists and people of color, transphobes and trans people, bigots and their victims. So <laughs> there's so much of this sounds like exactly like something you'd hear like a Democratic I know, party. I know. Like. That's why I like this so much. OK. And then so after this, Gilletta Jarvis, who had stolen the Twitter account, who had seized the Twitter account from the Mises. So she realized she lost. She gave the Twitter back to the Mises caucus. And the Mises caucus immediately went back to old tricks. We don't know who is running now. It could be Jeremy Kaufman, but I'm not totally sure about this. Uh, here was a tweet from just a couple days after the Mises caucus um, got the keys back to the Twitter account. The ultimate goal of wokeism is to infiltrate, occupy, and dominate every cultural, political, and corporate institution. The Libertarian Party isn't immune to this and must be identif- identified and stopped immediately. And then uh, these tweets are or more recent. Things that should be legal, weed, shooting communists attempting to burn down your city. And then just this month, uh, the, the New Hampshire libertarian Twitter said, racism is pretty much a non-issue in America. Libertarians suffer more oppression than black people. <laughs> <laughs> Which true, true, true. <laughs> and so this is what I love about this, that it seems as like not only, as you mentioned, this could be like democratic infighting. 
But it also seems as though these fuckers are even more dramatic than Democrats or Republican. When I was looking to this, I found articles from a couple years ago about other attempted coups within within the Libertarian Party. This is apparently just like something that regularly happens. I'm I'm down. Look, clearly the liber the Libertarian Party needs some top down control from a strong central <laughs> party figure. I think they might. I think they might. Okay, that's us coming back. That's the sound effect in, re- in reverse. We need a bigger budget for production, to be honest. Substack, Substack. It, unless right, you we- give us more money, it be like. All right, so now we are back in time, or we are forward in time. We're in the present day. That is the Mises Caucus. And since we recorded that episode last fall, the Mises Caucus took over the whole party, Hell not yeah. just in New Hampshire. Yes. So <laughs> awesome. That's what I wanted to happen. All right. I'm already so happy the about this. The Vape Bros have won. Yeah, Reason Magazine has a good explainer on what the hell happened. We'll link to that in the show notes. But the main point is that the Mises, the Mises are in charge now. And Carlin Borisenko is a member of the Mises Caucus. She is now a candidate for New Hampshire governor as a libertarian. And what we're going to discuss now is Carlin's political path from former Democrat, former liberal, to ex-liberal Republican, to now Mises libertarian candidate for governor. (laughs) But before you get into it, I have a very important question. In your considered judgment, can we get away with titling this episode Mises so horny. <laughs> no, no. Fuck, come on. All right. We can't. All right. Also, we need to do some housekeeping before we move on. Should we go ahead and do that? Uh, we are Blocked and Reported. We're a podcast. Uh, you can find us at blockedandreported.org. You can email us at blockedandreportedpodcast at gmail.com. Our subreddit is blockedandreported.subreddit.com. I think, I don't know. Most importantly, blockedandreported.org. If you sign up, you can get. Ec- uh, uh, dude, I'm really struggling. Three. The number's three. three. Yeah, I'm not going to redo that. We have three extra episodes a month of premium episodes, stuff you will never hear otherwise because we just... Unless we take a clip from it and play it on an episode six months later. Yeah, but that would never happen. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> also big growing community up around 7,500 people. Our goal is to get to 10,000 at which part Katie is going to... And then I'm going to record back over this and edit in me saying something ridiculous. So... Make sure to stick around for Katie doing that thing I just said. Uh, oh, finally, we want to share with you the name of another podcast. We hope you'll check out because we like it a lot. We only do this for podcasts we are actually fans of. The Gist is a daily podcast by Mike Pesca. It's what you'd get if Blocked and Reported had a baby with a Jake Tapper or Terry Gross type interviewer. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Blocked and Reported raw dogging <laughs> Terry Gross. <laughs> Kill me. Kill me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who would be the uh, actual birthing person you, in that it would scenario, be you. but the <laughs> what would it come out of? Uh, this is the stuff we can act out when we do our live <laughs> show. Uh, yeah, don't know who the actual birthing person would be, but the gist does feature an interview every day, a news item or two to ponder, and an in-depth op-ed segment called The Spiel. I think I've accidentally stolen that from Mike. I call my call and stuff spiels. Anyway, Mike homes in on inconvenient facts, takes great pleasure in complicating existing doctrines. He asks tough questions and will surprise you with opinions you've not considered or agreed with. He may even change your mind. That's a lot more fun than other news podcasts who continually feed the audience what they want to hear. We, we would never do that. Uh, try the gist wherever you subscribe to podcasts. I will just add to that. When you look at the sorts of people who hate Mike, 
they're exactly the sorts of people you should want to yeah. piss off by making his podcast an even bigger success than it is. So I highly recommend the gist. Mike Pesca is a friend of the podcast and uh, he's the man. Yeah, he's also been on our show before. He has an interesting backstory. The gist is now totally independent, but it used to be uh, owned by Slate and it is not anymore. And if you're curious about why, you can go back and listen to our episode on that. Also, his last name means fish. So that's just kind of weird. So, you know, makes him stand out. Okay, you ready to go back to uh, Carlin? Do we have to go back in time or just go back to the story? There's different no, sound just effects. Back to the story. Bloop, bloop, bloop. Yeah, just okay. back to the story. Okay, so uh, where was I? Jesse, do you know where I was? Yeah, you were saying this this woman sees control of the uh, Libertarian Party or something. No, that's not what I said. I don't know. I wasn't I listening. Said that, I said that the Mises Caucus sees control of the National Party. Okay, so what you need to know about Carlin, the woman that we're talking about today, is that she is a visible or at least a highly vocal figure in the burgeoning anti-woke movement if that's a thing that actually exists. Jesse, you wrote about the anti-woke movement recently in your newsletter. Will you give us a little primer on that? Well, actually, I wrote about it uh, in The Spectator. So oh, thank you for bad, following sorry. my work so closely. I mean, I just I just wrote about how there's clearly a subset of people who have made being anti-woke a crusade in a way that's unhealthy and leads them beyond reasonable concerns about illiberalism that you and I share and that a lot of our listeners share into batshit insane territory where you act like Marxist college professors are the biggest threat to the country. Some of them become weird anti-vax people. There's just, you can check out my story in The Spectator, but if you make being against something the center of your worldview and you stop talking to other more normal people, you will become crazy. Do you want to name some names? No, I intentionally didn't in the podcast because some of the people I'm talking about have really annoying, obsessive yeah. Twitter fans who engage in acts of literal violence by tweeting mean things at me. Speaking of which, Carlin is in many ways culturally aligned with people like James Lindsay. I'm sorry, James who? <laughs> James Lindsay, as well as Christopher Rufo. She, uh, in the last couple of years, she has obtained and published some whistleblower documents about things like CRT trainings in Seattle for Seattle City employees and DEI trainings at Coca-Cola, that kind of thing. And she still appears to be pretty friendly with Rufo and Lindsay based on recent Twitter interactions. But as you will hear, she's someone who tends to lose friends and make enemies pretty regularly. So we'll see how long that lasts. So that's how I first came across Carlin was basically in the like replies of James Lindsay and Chris Rufo's tweets. But then in the run up to the 2020 elections, she became part of the walk away movement. Jesse, do you remember walk away? No, I don't. Do you not the know about this? Movement. Is that walking away from both parties? Or no, it's walking away from Democrats. We talked about this and I still don't. Oh, we did. Yes, because they're because they're uh, ostensibly too woke. Yeah. Okay, so it was a movement for people who were disenchanted by the left, and so they joined conservatives and oftentimes campaigned for Donald Trump. It was started by a guy named Brandon Straka. He was recently sentenced to three months probation for participating in the January 6th riots, so things are going well for him. <laughs> um, Carlin and Brandon – so she was, she basically went on tour with Walkaway speaking at these events. They've since had a falling out, but before we get to her various feuds – uh, here's a little more background on Carlin. She has a PhD in organizational psychology from Capella University, which is a private for-profit university. It's accredited, so I'm not going to call it a diploma mill, but it is online and it has a graduation rate of between like the estimates that I saw were between like 10 and 20%. So oh infer from that what you will. Her dissertation, according to her LinkedIn profile, 
was on, quote, grounded theory study of how young professional cope with being a target of workplace bullying. Remember that for later. She did her PhD on bullying. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Workplace bullying. Okay. Okay. So Carlin, she makes her living or she makes money on various online platforms, including locals uh, and YouTube. Locals is like a conservative sort of members only kind of Patreon kind of thing. She streams constantly. She does some public speaking and executive coaching. She's written a few books, uh, a new one called Actively Unwoke, The Ultimate Guide for Fighting Back Against the Woke Insanity in Your Life, and an earlier one called Zen Your Work, Create Your Ideal Work Experience Through Mindful Self-Mastery. <laughs> Those sound like they conflict a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Yeah, a little what bit. is like how to be chill at work? What is like how to insert your culture war crusade into every aspect of work? Uh, the, that book, Zen Your Work. So it includes what one reporter called a scathing portrayal of Carlin's former employer, New Hampshire Public Radio. Carlin didn't name, like didn't specifically name this public radio station that she worked at, but she quote, this is a quote from the book. I left every day feeling angry, frustrated, and unsupported because the narcissism of the person running the organization had trickled down over the course of the years to her top staff members. This was later quoted in an article about uh, the boss at New Hampshire Public Radio stepping down after an internal investigation. Okay, so I have a little inside information about what happened after Carlin's tenure at New Hampshire Public Radio came to an end. This is a quote from a source who was there for part of but not all of what happened. Um, and the story within the organization, this is a quote. Our mealy-mouthed director of people and culture summoned Carlin to a conference room. I don't know if Carlin quit or they were letting her go, but I do know she was asked to sign a non-disparagement agreement. And I know that because, at the time at least, paltry severance packages and NDAs were a thing at the station. I had firsthand experience with this and know several people who demurred when asked. Carlin didn't. She was like, fuck you, no. She left the room and tore down the hall and yelled some unkind but true stuff about the station and some of our colleagues. She said goodbye to people she liked. Eventually, our CEO, COO and director of people and culture tried to usher her out, at which point she threw a notebook or a binder at our COO. Whatever it was, it left a dent in the wall. <laughs> It went down during during a fun drive, and the station program director basically locked down the bedroom, fearing Carlin would bust into the studio and commandeer the mic. Oh, my God. Afterwards, she, she posted a photo of uh, her New Hampshire public radio hat burning on a grill. Wow. Burned <laughs> it on a grill, huh? Yeah. How do you think that tasted? <laughs> she Just to make her point even further, she then proceeded to eat it on her <laughs> Okay, so that was several years ago. And since then, Carlin has pivoted to politics. In 2020, she wrote an essay called After Attending a Trump Rally, I Realized Democrats Are Not Ready for 2020. The subhead was, I've been a Democrat for 20 years, but this experience made me realize how out of touch my party is with the country at large. We'll link to that in the show notes. But the essay was all about why she was leaving the left. And it goes back to a saga that we actually addressed in a primo episode about a schism in the knitting community. Carlin is a knitter. She writes in that essay, this is a quote, You might not think of the knitting world as a particularly political community, but you'd be wrong. Many knitters are active in social justice communities and love to discuss the revolutionary role knitters have played in our culture. 
I started noticing this about a year ago, particularly on Instagram. I knit as a way to relax and escape the drama of real life, not to further engage with it. But it was impossible to ignore after roving gangs of online social justice warriors started going after anyone in the knitting community who is not in lockstep with their ideology. Knitting stars on Instagram were bullied and mobbed by hundreds of people for seemingly innocuous offenses. One man got mobbed so badly he had a nervous breakdown and was admitted to a hospital on suicide watch. Many things were not right about the hatred, and witnessing the vitriol coming from those I had aligned myself with politically was a massive wake-up call. I mean, I can't disagree with her that that stuff was crazy. I think, as always, it's like that. assuming that that is like the average Democrat. Assuming that the average Democrat wouldn't themselves be outraged by the knitting community. Well, also, I mean, is the rational thing to do when you observe lots and lots of bullying to go and embrace Donald Trump? Right. <laughs> I mean, yes. He's yeah, the bully like, in I'm, chief. I'm mad about a liberalism. I'm going to go support Donald Trump. Right. right. That dude is a bully. Ale- Katie, Katie, alleged, <laughs> alleged bully, Katie. Come on. This is a news podcast. Allegedly. <laughs> okay. So this essay goes viral. And this is Carlin's entry into the ex-liberal movement. The essay was turned into a PragerU video. <laughs> the way you said that made it sound like PragerU, like from a university. Yeah, it wasn't that. Sorry. Uh, the video has now been made private for reasons that will be apparent shortly. And Carlin then starts speaking at walkaway rallies. And after one in Dallas in September 2020... She says that she was confronted and chased by BLM protesters. She made this claim on Fox and Friends, saying basically that BLM protesters threw bottles and street cones at the walkaway people. I don't know whether or not this was true, but we do have reason to believe Carlin might have a history of exaggerating. For instance, the month before, this was in August 2020, Carlin went on the Glenn Beck show and claimed that she was kicked out of the Ingleside Hotel and Water Park in Pewaukee, Wisconsin for wearing a MAGA mask. She also tweeted this, including the name of the hotel. And after she tweeted this, the hotel was inundated by complaints and one-star reviews, and someone even called in a bomb threat. Oh my God. So after this happened, the hotel released a statement that directly contradicted Carlin's account. They said basically... The reason Carlin was kicked out had nothing to do with her MAGA mask, and what actually happened was that Carlin, who they never named, was abusing the staff. Here's a quote from their statement. Soon after check-in, there was an incident at the water park. The guest was asked to put on a water park wristband per posted policy and became irate. She verbally abused and cursed at staff members, which violates our posted code of conduct. This incident was witnessed by a director, a lead security guard, four lifeguards, and one guest who posted their account online. The incident that led to a decision to evict the guest happened later that night. I'm just going to summarize this, but basically they said that around 11 p.m. that night, a guest called the front desk and said that a woman was like running through the hallways, knocking on people's doors and yelling at them to be quiet. Security guards went to the floor and found about 10 people waiting in the hallway to speak to them. And the guest, according to security, said that a woman was, quote, walking up and down the hallway, pounding on doors, telling them to shut up and be quiet. I am trying to relax. Then, so she gets evicted, and then when security was walking her out of the building, quote, the guest threatened to, quote, start a shitstorm and stated, quote, you have no idea the shitstorm that is coming. Within minutes of her walking outside, the hotel started receiving harassing calls, which referenced the eviction. Oh, God. Okay, so they have, they, the hotel says they have a lot of witnesses saying that this was not because she was wearing a MAGA mask, it's because she was being an asshole. Yeah, the hotel also said that they have hosted many conservative events and speakers, including Donald Trump Jr. and Mike Pence. And they said that they had to give multiple guest refunds because of the disturbance caused by Carlin. Okay, so she, um, 
does not appear to maybe be the most reliable narrator in some circumstances. Yeah. And I asked Carlin, I emailed her and I asked if their statement that they had hosted Mike Pence and Donald Trump Jr. changed anything about her belief that she was kicked out because of the MAGA mask. I'm just going to read her response. Hi, Katie. Ah, hit piece, huh? Too bad. I was hoping you were better than that. I really thought you were better than that. Everything I said about the Ingleside Hotel was completely true. The Ingleside Hotel released a false account of events after they received backlash for wrongfully evicting me in the middle of the night after I had taken two NyQuil pills and could barely walk. I was so tired. I have timestamp phone calls and DMs that prove I was on my phone and computer when the Ingleside Hotel claimed I was running up and down the halls banging on doors based on a timeline they gave in their statement. The Ingleside Hotel has never provided video of me doing the things they claimed I did. They claimed all their video cameras magically didn't work has never provided photos of me doing what they claimed I did and refused to release the key card records for my room, which would have proved that I entered my room and didn't leave until after 8 p.m. that night. I called on them to publicly release it. They never did. So no, the Ingleside Hotel lied. I wore that mask all over the place in 2020, and the only place I ever really had problem was hotels. It was very easy to tell when a staff at the hotel didn't like that mask. I thought about suing them for defamation, but ultimately, I was going to be very hard for me to prove the direct damages beyond the months of trauma therapy I had to pay for to fix the PTSD they inflicted on me by forcing me to stand on a dark street in the middle of the night by myself when I was barely conscious. The fact is that the hotel got massive backlash from the public, and that's why they lied and went out of their way to prove me wrong. Best of luck to you in finding any evidence at all that I did the things they said I did because it doesn't exist. I'm crossing my fingers that you are a real journalist, but I'll be happy to publicly call you out if you're not. So then a couple minutes went by, and then she emailed me again. I wonder, Katie, have you asked the Ingleside Hotel for evidence to back up their claims that I ran up and down halls banging on doors, or did you just take their statement as gospel? Seems to me that this is the first time in the history of cameras and phones that a person has done something like this and not a single photo or video of it exists. So I called the Ingleside Hotel, and I talked to people who were (laughs) were there at the time, two of them, (laughs) and they said that they didn't have security cameras in the hallways. So like this idea that there like should be some footage of this. Yeah. Yeah. Eh, eh, I mean they don't they said that they didn't have that they don't have security cameras in the hallways. Are they are they lying to me? It is a possibility. But the fact that this hotel hosted Donald Trump Jr. and Mike Pence, and this is not in like deep blue Wisconsin. Makes me think it is, and and also she was at this hotel because the hotel was hosting uh, groups of people for a, a like walkaway type conference. It wasn't an actual walkaway event, but it was some sort of anti woke conference like this. So so large groups of people coming to the hotel who were either ex Democrats or were cons- or like current conservatives or whatever. I suppose it's always possible that there was like rogue employees who hate it, who took offense to the MAGA mask. But I got to say like a Wisconsin water park. Don't think deep blue. Yeah. It's hard for me to imagine. Right. Right. All right. Well, if anyone, uh, <laughs> we now need to get in touch with whoever the like maintenance people are at this hotel. Yeah. So reach out to us about the uh, camera situation. Yeah. Okay. So... To some people in this like newly conservative anti woke mo- anti woke movement, this was a big old red flag, and not just that she would allegedly 
like walk down a hall banging on people's doors, but that she would call this hotel out on Twitter, basically doing a cancel culture, right? Like this is the whole thing. Not only that, but this idea that I was traumatized and had to do months of therapy is like literally what weirdo people on the left. Exactly. Like anything happens to you, it's trauma and therapy. Exactly. Like some of the people I talked to about Carlin were like, she's a social justice warrior. (laughs) She might, you know, like, yes. And there were other red flags. For instance, she tweeted the following. Everyone who died in the Holocaust chose to die in the Holocaust before they were ever born because they collectively wanted to understand the experience of ultimate oppression. She also tweeted that Hitler went to heaven. Wait, Rose. I'm going to let her Wait, I'm going to let her explain this. Uh, let's play a clip here. Okay. I believe that we are all spiritual beings that come from God. We are all a little piece of God that breaks off and decides to have a human experience so that God, the collective, can learn about different types of experiences. I believe that when we are spiritual beings, before we ever are born, before we ever come to earth, we make decisions about what we want our experience on earth to be like. Some people are going to say, I'm going to be a king or a queen and I'm going to have everything available to me. I'm going to be the richest person in the world. I'm going to have everything I want. That's going to be their experience in that lifetime. Some people are going to say, I want to be a slave and the most oppressed that, uh, that, that anyone can be oppressed in this lifetime. Now, why would someone choose on a spiritual level? Why would someone choose to have a bad human experience? Why would someone choose to be a slave? Why would someone choose to be oppressed? Why would someone choose to be murdered? We're going to talk about that today. Why would someone choose that? Because we choose it when we're spiritual beings, not when we're humans. We have a completely different set of priorities when we're spiritual beings than we do when we're humans. Because when we're spiritual beings, we know that we never die. Right? When we're spiritual beings floating around up in the ether, just having a grand old time, seeing the big picture, we can see everything that's happened in the past. We can see everything that's happened in the future. We know we never die. We know that even if we suffer the worst possible death on earth, that when we go, we when we die, we go back to God and we can choose to be born again or we can choose not to be born again. So the reason that someone might choose to have the most horrible, oppressive, bad experience on a human level is because it gives the collective ex- experience, it gives the collective knowledge about what it's like to be oppressed, what it's like to be murdered, what it's like to be like like legitimately in really bad situations because if the collective understands that the collective is going to have a whole new appreciation for the good things yeah that's uh that's pretty crazy but and she's saying she's saying everyone chooses to like be genocided that's um i disagree with that katie i mean I don't know where this particular theology comes from. It, I don't know if this is part of an organized religion that she's a part of or if she just made this up. I will say, like, this does sound absolutely loony to me. Does it sound any loonier than some of the ideas that come out of, <laughs> like, actual organized religions? Not really. No. Like, they're all crazy. No. And, and th- there's a long strain of in, um, like, 19th, 20th, 21st century American history of this idea that, like, whatever you want to manifest will manifest. So if bad things happen to you, it's because you did bad thought. Yeah, it's like the secret. and That's very uh, big in Seattle. The new thought movement, it was called. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. So this is, like, a more extreme version of that. I agree with you that it's not... 
weirder than a lot of religions, but it's still pretty offensive and crazy. Right. I mean, it is like, is it that much weirder than thinking that women, a woman was made out of a man's rib? That's something people actually believe. That's right? true. <laughs> That's true though. Well, a better example would be, is this more offensive than thinking God is omnipotent and omniscient and chose to let people die in the Holocaust? Is that less offensive than the people? I mean, I, I don't know. The real offensive one is thinking that humans evolved from monkeys. Yeah, but we, we already debunked that in episode 15. <laughs> episode 15. Yes, the missing link. That was the title of that one. Uh, okay. Yeah. And as for the Hitler thing, the reason she, she tweeted that Hitler is going to heaven is because she doesn't believe there's a hell. So everyone goes to, to heaven, including, you know, genocidal dictators who mil- murder millions of people. Maybe even you, Jesse. Maybe even you would go, you would go to heaven. <laughs> okay. So after Carlin tweeted this, this goes viral. It was even picked up by some in the actual media. Newsweek published an article called Prager You Presenter Carlin Borisenko Says Jewish People Chose to Die in the Holocaust. Prager U, for their part, smartly declined to comment for Newsweek, but her video for them is now private. I wonder why. So after this, Carlin was denounced by a number of her former collaborators. And so she began saying, as the title of this video was, she was canceled by the woke right because she is not a Christian. Canceled by the woke right. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's rough. <laughs> the woke right. The woke right. Okay. As I mentioned earlier... Carlin has a history of airing her internet beefs in public, and this has only increased after a number of her former comrades in the anti-woke movement issued statements denouncing these particular tweets. One of her enemies is a guy named Kieran White. He is her former writing partner. They collaborated on some stuff. And he has since distanced himself from her, in part because of these Hitler tweets. He also later posted a series of screenshots of their conversations in which she basically says that she wants to leave her husband for him. She also says this on her anniversary for some reason. Like, he's like, happy anniversary. And she's like, I know the timing might be weird, but I have to tell you something. Oh, my God. Yeah. She says (laughs) at one point in these DMs that she knows they're meant to be together because they have, quote, more karmic connections in our charts than anyone. Joshua, that's Joshua the psychic, who is apparently a psychic like on her retainer uh has ever seen and he's run thousands of these things she called him her twin flame she sends him like a string of increasingly unhinged messages demanding that he talk to her on zoom and then when he doesn't respond to her she says i hope you realize that if you do not find a way to resolve this with me i will make sure you never have an impact in the anti-woke space because you are acting woke i mean maybe you can go with fair or kathy young or barry weiss or something but you'll never make an impact with anyone who matters <laughs> Wait. you have three days to change that karen three days or i will make sure you are irrelevant Dude, the level of just like horseshoe theory here where there are, it's like, if you don't, if you don't date me, you're problematic, basically. (laughs) I'm not, I'm not saying that you're not really anti-woke if you don't have sex with me. I just think you should reconsider your biases so you don't end up in the horrible position of making a million dollars as like a Barry White type. Barry White, not Barry White. (laughs) Very white, different. That's her alter ego. Mm -hmm. Okay, so on her locals channels, she said that what actually happened was that Kieran told her that he was in love with her and she was trying to set boundaries. She also said that Kieran has a history of becoming obsessed with women and that he was sued for posting revenge porn. Kieran did not respond to my request for comment. As far as I can tell, there's no evidence that this is true. Um, Regardless, she seems kind of obsessed with the guy. She's tweeted about him dozens of times since they're falling out. And then on Monday, July 18th, 18th, 18th. 
And then on July 8th, twi- fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Just keep it. You said it I'm twice fine. now. You need to keep on July 8th, tw- eight twinks. <laughs> on July 8th, twinks, she tweeted that he has been, quote, that she has been, quote, dealing with revenge porn style harassment and that she's reported the behavior to the police. I think that this is about Kieran or maybe some of her other enemies. She has also feuded with Brandon Straka, the organizer of the walkaway movement, the guy who's currently on probation for January 6th. Uh, because this is their falling out started because he didn't invite her to an event. Uh, she's also feuded with fellow ex-liberals Carrie Smith, Mike Parlow, and a woman who goes by Poetry Painter online. She's a mod and one of the big conservative subreddits. And she was apparently friends with Carlin on Facebook, and then Carlin according to this woman, collected a bunch of her photos in order to threaten her to reveal her real identity. And I spoke to a couple of Carlin's enemies, and they describe her as a sort of social media terrorist who collects personal information about people in order to blackmail them. Uh, One of them, at least one of them, has filed a police report against her. As a side note, because I was talking to these ex-liberal sort of walkaway people, they like you know they were like former liberal they like were obama voters who were campaigning for donald trump seemed like a opportunity to learn something so i asked one of them if he still supported trump and he said no but it wasn't because of january 6th and it wasn't because of various trump's other various incompetencies it was because the covid lockdown policies happened under trump 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 didn't prevent like, people them. forget that yeah right i, mean, I guess if you're gonna go that route makes yeah. sense Okay, Carlin has also feuded with the Timberline Regional School District in New Hampshire. Good. They- <laughs> those fucking bastards. <laughs> they sent her a no trespass order in December of 2021. I'll quote from that here. The reason for this action is threatening comments you directed at the school board. In particular, during a recent meeting of the school board, you were heard shouting, we know where you live. That threatening statement, your conduct on social media, including... Look, she was saying that she wants to hang out with (laughs) them. We know where you live. Let's meet up for a barbecue. Including, but not limited to, this is, I'm paraphrasing here because the sentence is weird, using the hashtags, hashtag school board tyrants, hashtag tyrants have addresses, and hashtag make tyrants afraid again, are designed and intended... Okay, those those are pretty explicit. (laughs) Are designed and intended to menace and intimidate the school board during meetings. The, also, the order also notes that she is neither a resident nor a taxpayer in that district. And Carlin actually posted video of this encounter on her locals channel. And the text uh, accompanying it was, never before seen footage of me yelling, we know where you live at the school board meeting before getting screamed at by two moms for Liberty members and some guy, all of whom I gave my peace of mind to. My body language is on point. So I think she's admitting Wait. <laughs> she's proud of this. So, okay, I, so Moms for Liberty was involved in the Leon County thing. Yeah. And they're, they're seen as, uh, I mean, liberals disagree with them, but they're seen as competent political organizers. She pissed off the moms. Why is she at the school board meeting? What's she complaining about? Uh, I don't know, but probably groomers, racial mm-hmm. indoctrination. Although maybe not groomers. I don't know if she is. Let's just, let me check her Twitter Real quick and see if she's on the groomer bandwagon. Yeah. Because she does, she's definitely more socially liberal than a lot of these people. Like, she has been very vocal, and I appreciate this about her. She's been very vocal against this sort of gay panic and against uh, things like abortion bans. Okay. So she definitely has tweeted um, groomers. <laughs> <laughs> the exact opposite of what you just said. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Wait, wait. 
Here's here's a, here's an example. March thirty first. She does have some nuance. Listen, you can fight back against the woke left without getting crazy and paranoid that everyone is around around you is a groomer. You know, in fact, you're probably going to be more effective if you're not paranoid that everyone around you is a groomer. Um, she has also been called a groomer. Maybe that's uh, why she changed her. Who hasn't that. at this point? Here's another one. I returned home to find out there's some fucking emergency with a groomer at Petco hurting my dog. You better believe someone is getting read the right act over that. <laughs> <laughs> the groomer at Petco. <laughs> oh, this is a, a gay. <laughs> I think she was talking about a dog groomer. <laughs> I know, I know, but it's funny to think about if she was calling the Petco guy a groomer. <laughs> you fucking groomer. Okay, groomer. <laughs> uh, okay, where were I? Where were we? Where uh, were I? <laughs> where were I? Okay, so that was so that was Carlin getting a no trespass order for the school district in uh, New Hampshire. Can I just say if you if you stand out at a New Hampshire school board meeting in your craziness, you've really achieved a level most of us can only aspire to. <laughs> Hard yeah. to do in New Hampshire. Okay, so amidst all of this drama, Carlin. By the way, groomers is trending as we oh, speak. Oh, great. Just so you know. Carlin is moving away from Republicans. She's already moved away from the Democrats. She's leaving the Republicans. She's walking away from the walk away, and she's discovering libertarianism. And there was a hint that she was moving in this direction all the way back in April 2021 when she tweeted, guys, I'm telling you that if you're not paying attention to what the, the Mises caucus is trying to do to make the Libertarian Party suck significantly less, you need to be. This is going to be a factor leading up to 2024. They're going to make noise, and I think in a good way. So at the end of that year, this is December 2021, she tweets the thing about Holocaust victims choosing to be murdered. And she announces that she's been canceled by the woke right. And then the next month, she she announces that she's running for governor of New Hampshire and has been endorsed by the state Libertarian Party. Let's take a look at our platform. Okay, so if you go to carlinlovesnh.com, she's running on a platform of putting cameras in classrooms. Honestly, it sounds a little pervy, but I don't think it's a groomer thing. I think it's more about indoctrination, preventing indoctrination. Also, Wait, how do you spell her first name? I want to go to this website. K-A-R-L-Y-N lovesnh.com. I am Carlin. I'd like your vote to be heard. Okay. Uh, cameras in classrooms to to spy on kids. Yep. Oh, defund, ra- defund racist programs. I think that's anti-white programs she's talking about there. Oh, however, across the state, our tax dollars are funding programs based in all caps equity, right. a Marxist concept demanding equality of outcomes. As governor, I will defund any state-funded program with equity in the title. Property. Yeah, yeah. this isn't like the uh, Ibram X. Candy defund racist programs. No. Property tax optional. I like the idea of optional taxes. That's a good idea. I like that too. So, and this uh, this is a good one. If you don't like what the schools are doing, you don't have to pay property taxes. It that makes perfect sense, and I don't understand why libertarians haven't been successful leaders, and they're miserable. yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then poss- possibly the best is, of course, putting secession on the ballot. Um, and then I just want to. She's she's also been campaigning for Jeremy Kaufman, who you will recall from earlier is the guy who tweeted positively about child labor and John McCain's brain tumor from the New Hampshire Libertarian Party official account. Here's her tweet about that. I feel so blessed to be able to work on Jeremy Kaufman's campaign because I truly learn something from the guy every day. He's like conceptual James Level smart. <laughs> That's an awesome <laughs> quote. Wait, what's he running? What's he running for? He's running for Senate okay, in New Hampshire. Okay. He's like conce- and he's like conceptual James level smart. In conceptual James for people who aren't on Twitter is James Lindsay. So someone uh 
you know, that's his that's his uh, Twitter username. Someone started calling him Jimmy Concepts. I, I love that. It's such a good nickname. <laughs> Uh, okay. So, okay. So now Carlin is, she's running for governor and she's campaigning for Kaufman. But meanwhile, all of these feuds are still ongoing. She's, she's still tweeting about Kieran and Carrie Smith and Mike Harlow and all of her other enemies and doing almost daily live streams, which means she's more online than even we are. And then now we're going to get to the part where I do a little speculating because there's a certain brand of person whose politics is just as much about interpersonal relationships and owning their enemies than it is about policy. Mm-hmm. People do this. They get dogpiled by liberals and they say, okay, I'm a conservative now. Or they get annoyed by knitters and they say, okay, I'm a Trump voter now. And Carlin strikes me as one of those people. So I asked her about it and she said, no, the reason she's a libertarian is because she used to think that the libertarians were woke, but then she changed her mind after she learned about the Mises caucus. Here's what she said in an email. I was so happy to hear that there were non-woke libertarians who were explicitly opposed to identity politics. And lately, she seems to be criticizing conservatives as much as or even more than she is liberals. Like she's been very, very critical of Republican stance on abortion and other cultural issues like the gay shit. And I doubt she's going to win this race in New Hampshire in no small part because she tweets like a madwoman. But there's something else that you need to understand about New Hampshire politics, and that's the Free State Project. Have you ever heard of this, Jesse? This is the idea of setting up like a libertarian oasis within New Hampshire? Am I confusing it with different libertarian schemes? That's basically it. I mean, the Free State Project, Carlin has aligned herself with this. It's a movement to recruit libertarians to move to New Hampshire and take over the legislature. And according to their own count, they've recruited about 6,000 people to move there. Even in New Hampshire, that's not a lot. There's over a million people in the state, but they do have quite a bit of influence in state politics. This is what a New Hampshire political insider told me. Quote, The Free State Project is achieving much of its vision in New Hampshire. New Hampshire's citizen legislature is massive. It's fairly easy to get elected into office here, and it doesn't take much to tip the scales once you're in office. There are a lot of libertarians in the New Hampshire State House, but you won't see a big L next to their name. That's by design. They know people tend to vote down ballot, so they run as Dems or Republicans. Once they're in office, they push through libertarian-minded legislation. And they've been pretty fucking successful in recent years, to be honest. They pushed through a ton of legislation this year. Our House Majority Leader is a prominent free stater. Our Commissioner of Ed is big on parental freedom, etc. Now, Carlin herself has successfully advocated for some free state project-backed bills. And as this person noted, quote, Carlin's race for governor, along with Kaufman's Senate campaign, is a different beast. They're running as big L libertarians. They know they won't win. Their goal, in my opinion, is threefold. Shift the Overton window among Republican voters, disrupt Republican nominees' campaigns, and further brand Libertarian Party of New Hampshire. It's a carrot and stick strategy. So while her chances to win the governor's race are small, she does appear to have some real influence in New Hampshire state politics. Last thing on Carlin. I spoke to a number of her critics, and I asked them if they think that her politics are genuine or if it's all about personal beefs. One of them told me, the libertarians will be done with her as soon as they realize who she is. The Green Party better watch out. (laughs) What's sort of interesting about this is um, 
so the the southern part of New Hampshire at this point is almost like a Boston suburb because Boston housing has gotten so expensive. There are these really quaint, pretty towns that have just enough bars, just enough restaurants that that like fancy people wouldn't mind living there or like, you know, tech workers or whatever, like Nashua, Manchester. Those are both within an hour of Boston without traffic. So there's this like part of New Hampshire that is like very liberal blue, that kind of New England. And then it just fucking goes north forever into like the hinterlands of just these like completely rural places. And I guess that's where like the libertarians hang out. But I just, I can't imagine being like basically someone who chose to live in a Boston suburb, what it must be like to see what state New Hampshire state politics are like, I guess, I guess from the point of view of the longtime New Hampshire people, they'd be like, fuck you, you're, you're colonizing our Southern border. Yeah. I mean, and that, that seems to be the case. And New Hampshire is obviously an extreme example, but I think Honestly, most states are like that in some respect. I mean, you have the urban oh, yeah. archipelago, and then you have the re- Washington state is absolutely like that. If you go east of the mountains, you might as well be in Idaho um, or east of the Cascades. Yeah. Yeah. Milwaukee versus like, yeah. More, yeah. Yeah. It's just, I don't know. It's just uh, close to home, for example, because I, I really, Southern New Hampshire is awesome. I mean, it, you can like afford to buy houses there and shit, but. Uh, oh, really? Should we move there? Oh, oh should we join God. the Free State Project? Nashua, Bar Podge Nashua headquarters. Let's do it. <laughs> I'm, I'm ready. Yeah. I'm ready. Yeah. Yeah, so um, I think Carlin's going to be mad about this, um, and I'm a little bit scared of her because she You're obsessed with her. I'm obsessed with her, yes. I will say, I do think that she's a good writer. Even just in the emails that she sent me, the emails where she said that she was going to call me out, um, her emails were good. She's a good, <laughs> she's a good writer. Um, I just, I'm not sure that I would vote for her. And I, I should just be clear, um, I disagree with everything you said about Carlin. Carlin, I think you're doing a great job. Uh, I'm sorry about the Jews who chose to die in the Holocaust. They shouldn't have done that. So keep up the they good work. They shouldn't have done that. I'm saying direct any anger about this episode. I had no role in producing it. I'm just Katie's foil. JessieSingle.gmail.com. Uh, I'm going to read out Katie's. <laughs> I was going to read out your email address. Great minds to collect. All right. Anything else, Jesse? Any questions? No, I thought this was a, a gripping tale, and I assume there's going to be some... Um, some updates. What is the gubernatorial election just in November with all the others? I guess so. That sounds about right. They don't have a libertarian primary, but she is the officially, she is the candidate who has been endorsed by the state party. Okay. Yeah. Curious to see where this goes. I, 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 yes, I doubt she will win, but I wonder how many people will vote for this person. Carlin, all press is good press. Remember that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and remember that Katie. Liked this segment. <laughs> Look, I will say the re- I like was actually very nervous. I I'm still nervous about putting this out into the world because Carlin does have a history of like really coming for people. But my thinking about this was like we spend a lot of time on this show making fun of or discussing or criticizing liberals who act crazy online, and I just don't. Th- think it would be very it's like would be pretty honest of me of dishonest of me to avoid this story because i'm scared of the character well no there's huge untapped stuff in the libertarian world and on the right from my perspective part of it is like i i wrote a little bit about it in 2015 and like 2016 and it's so crazy that i just sort of got depressed and like blocked a bunch of like crazy right-wing people but i don't know yeah we we could definitely there's a lot more stories to be told from these worlds. So send them our way. Podcast at gmail.com. If we um, are alive to check our email. If we're alive. Thank you as always for listening, everyone. This has been Blocked and Reported. We are produced as always with help from Tracy Woodgrains. I'm Jesse Single. And remember. What's next? Requiring a license to make toast in your own damn toaster. And I'm Katie Herzog. And also remember. 
We're going to talk more about Hitler going to heaven in a second. We're going to talk more about that. Put a pin in that one for right this second. 